I'm your host, David Nage. This is Baselayer, where institutional investors come to learn about crypto. The views, information, or opinions expressed during the Baselayer podcast series are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent those of ARCA, where David Nage is a principal. ARCA is not responsible and does not verify for accuracy of any of the information contained in the podcast series available for listening. The primary purpose of this podcast series is to educate and inform. The podcast series does not constitute financial advice or other professional advice or services. Please do your own research. This is David, and this is your new episode of Baselayer. I have Alex, the co-founder and CEO at Nansen with me today. Alex, how are you? Very good. Thanks, David. Nice to be here. Nansen is a relatively new uh, company in the last uh, two some odd years in the digital asset space, I think, uh, founded around 2019. And we'll talk about uh, why and when exactly. But Nansen analyzes 90 million plus labeled Ethereum wallets and their activity. Uh, this allows you to separate the signal from the noise in the data space uh, re- relative to digital assets. Uh, they are used by many uh, of the investors in the space, uh, institutional investors in the space. Uh, full and fair disclosure, I've used Nansen before too, and so have my team. Um, and so we'll talk about why and about how they're doing it and what kind of data they're pulling and how they're actually showing it to investors like us to get a better sense of the health of the asset and the asset class. Before we do that, Alex, what we always like to do on the show is how did you get here to this point? How did you get the idea of, of forming Nansen? What did you do before Nansen? Uh, and give us kind of a little bit of a, a backtrack on all the things before Nansen. Yeah, my background is in artificial intelligence. So I graduated from the University of Edinburgh in 2010, went on to start a little AI consultancy company um, right afterwards with the sort of mission of bringing machine learning into the world of business. This was in 2010, so it was a little bit too early for that. But we, we, I did learn a lot from, from one year of running my own company with, with two of my course mates from university. Uh, but I quickly moved on to management consulting to learn more about um, the world of business uh, and get some actual exposure from uh, bigger corporations and different industries. Uh, so I did that for three years. I worked with everything from seafood to luxury retail and insurance and banking. Then in 2014, I moved on to kind of go back to my roots um, with with data science and, and AI. So I took a position as a data scientist at Shibstead, uh, which is a, a European media group. And I ended up leading a team there uh, across London, Barcelona, and Oslo. Uh, and in 2017, I discovered Ethereum. And so that's really the thing that brought me into the, the world of crypto and blockchains. Um, I you know, obviously had heard about Bitcoin uh, a lot earlier, but it, it didn't really engage me very much. But I really liked the, the concept of Ethereum. And this was also the same time as many of these ICOs were popping up. And I had friends who were investing in different ICOs and doing very well. Uh, so, you know, I, I did some, some small investments in ICOs as well, which I found quite, quite interesting as a concept because it felt like almost a, a level, leveling of the, the playing ground or playing field um, in terms of being able to invest in, in early projects, early technology projects, which is usually something that only VCs can do. 
Um, and then I also discovered that uh, the intersection of crypto and data was an area that I could create a lot of value with my background in data and analytics. And so crypto is fun because there's an abundance of data uh, available, but the sort of analytics offerings were quite immature at the time. And so uh, I ended up uh, leaving my job uh, at Shibstead in 2017, uh, and I joined a startup in Hong Kong, uh, which was doing crypto market intelligence. And I built out a data team at that startup. Uh, the startup itself didn't work out too well in the bear market of, of 2018, uh, but I was fortunate to meet my, my now co-founder, Evgeny, uh, who I hired for my team at that startup. Um, and together with a third person, Lars, we ended up co-founding Nansen in 2019. Um, and yeah, I'm happy to go over a bit what Nansen actually is. Um, it's effectively an analytics platform, which, um, which allows you to monitor what actually happens on the blockchain. And what we do that is unique is we enrich uh, the vanilla on-chain data with our own proprietary data, uh, namely more than 90 million uh, wallets that we have labeled up. So this allows you to answer certain questions that you wouldn't otherwise be able to answer. Mm -hmm. um, for example, you know, which different entities hold which different tokens? Um, where do you see the most liquidity for different tokens? Not just in the form of the, the trading volume that they report, but in, in, in terms of what, you know, the digital asset holdings that they actually have. Um, and, and, you know, th there was, after having worked a couple of years in the crypto space, this is an area that intrigued many people. And there, you know, when I spoke to different funds, different uh, individual investors, their eyes would always light up when we talked about, you know, having really high quality data on what people were doing on, on the blockchain. And so that was kind of the, the premise. Uh, we, we had a strong conviction that this was a product that people would uh, pay for and that we would find product market fit. Um, we did things, you know, a bit differently, which we can get, get into a bit later, but uh, so far it's been quite successful and, and we've been growing since our launch of the product in April 2020. So I know this is a question you have gotten before because you've even discussed it on your site, but I think for those that are listening and recall that listeners of the show are family offices and other institutional investors, they will be curious as to how you're doing that, because many of them get confused with the blockchain. They get confused that it is anonymous, not pseudonymous. And so talk to us and tell the listeners how you actually are able to do a determination, as you alluded to. You'll be able to uh, do due diligence on exchanges, on token teams, on funds to see exactly which uh, which types of tokens they're accumulating or selling off. How do you get that granularity in terms of the type of entity that is doing that? So you're right. It starts with a distinction of anonymous versus pseudonymous. So blockchains, at least the public blockchains that we work with, uh, most notably Ethereum, is pseudonymous. And so effectively, you have persistent identities on the blockchain in the form of public addresses. And so these public addresses, you can track what they do over time. But if you only have the 
public blockchain data that you can extract from from Ethereum node, for example, you will see that you know ABC sends one million dollars worth of tether to DEF, you know, but you don't know what those two accounts are. So as as you mentioned, the key thing that we do is to associate these different pseudonymous uh, identities on the blockchain with real world identities. And so um, there are many ways we do it. And there isn't really any silver bullet. And of course, you know, if there were one, I probably wouldn't reveal it. Um, <laughs> but it, it's all about setting up a system that allows us to aggregate information at scale uh, and over time create a compounding network effect where, for example, if we know, you know, label uh, A and B and A and B will transact with an unknown entity C, we can infer what C actually is at scale. And so at a high level, I like to think of it as a combination of man and machine. So we have analysts that are empowered by internal tools internally um, that we have trained. Um, and that allows them to very quickly, if you have an important wallet, you know, and importance can be measured in many different ways, but it could be a large inflow of capital in, in the last, you know, hour or in the last 10 minutes. Um, they can then use internal tools to figure out what this wallet actually is. And in many cases, they leverage the existing wallet labels that we have, uh, as I mentioned earlier. But effectively, you know, there is some manual component to it that you will probably never get around. And so to give a concrete example, you might look at a press release uh, of an investment round. And if you can find the addresses on chain that correspond to that investment round, you can sometimes map out you know, who is leading that round and who made the largest transaction or uh, in terms of an investment into a, say, smart contract or um, any address on the blockchain, or conversely, which address has received the most tokens, that can also be a sign that, hey, maybe this was the lead investor of that round, right? So, so some of these concepts are quite uh, intuitive, but of course, it's all about having it in a system and doing it at scale. So the other part we do, which actually you know, uh, generates more than 99% of our wallet labels in our database, is the algorithmic approach where we rely more on heuristics. So for example, we study how different exchanges work. And uh, we, instead of just having sort of the main wallets where they typically will hold the large uh, amounts of funds, it could be you know, a set of hot wallets or it could be some, some uh, cold storage wallets. We also tag up the user deposit wallets, which is a much larger set of wallets. So if you take a, um, an exchange like Binance, you know, you could figure out these, let's say, 14, 15 main wallets that they use for either cold storage or, uh, you know, managing um, withdrawals and so on from users. Mm -hmm. That's pretty easy to track down. And in fact, if you just made a manual transaction with Binance, if you know how to read blockchain data and so on, you could figure out at least one of these main wallets. But the millions of users who use Binance, they send funds to their own dedicated addresses. And so we've created heuristics that allows us to uh, tag up those wallets as well. And that means we have much, a much uh, higher coverage in terms of um, attribution, as we call it, or wallet labeling. And that also means that you can track 
more timely when funds are sent to an exchange, for example. Right. So, so those are some of the examples, but high level, it's a combination of man and machine. So I'm curious. So of the different dashboards that are being created, are those community-based or are those ones that you and your team at Nansen are creating? And what are some of the more popular ones? Yeah, so all of the dashboards on Nansen have been created by the Nansen team. Um, you know, at some point we might create a community section uh, on the website, but at the moment it's all created uh, by the Nansen team. Uh, the, the single most popular dashboard is a dashboard that we have called Token God Mode. And what you use that for is you plug in a specific token it could be a stable coin like USDC, or it could also be, you know, a DeFi token like Aave or Wi-Fi. And you get certain um, important, uh, you know, aggregate metrics, but also tabular data on, you know, what you should know about if you're an investor or you're considering investing in this token. So, for example, we show the liquidity on the token, as, as I mentioned earlier, we will show what percentage of the total supply is currently sitting on exchanges and on which exchanges do you find them? That's the first thing you see when you open up this dashboard. The second thing you see is a section called notable wallets. And this will show you the biggest accumulators uh, in the last seven days of, of this token. And also the, the largest, you know, either sell-offs or um, addresses that have sent tokens elsewhere. You can also go down and you see things like the top uh, the top holders, which would correspond to kind of a cap table, um, and you know the the benefit of of using Nansen for this is that you have very rich labels, so you can immediately get a sense of which ones are exchange wallets, which ones are uh, VC funds, which ones are DeFi protocols, and so on and so forth. Um, so so that's that's the most popular dashboard. More and more, as we've built out the platform, we've started linking these dashboards together. So uh, in some cases, you might see there's a DeFi protocol that actually holds the majority, or not, not the majority, but maybe 20, 30% of the total supply. But as a user, the next question should be, well, who deposited into that DeFi protocol? And you can actually now drill down into that specific contract, and you can uh, that takes you to another dashboard called top depositors, and that breaks down all of the different uh, uh, contributors of capital into that specific DeFi protocol. So I think one really powerful thing about Nansen is that you can start at the high level and get this macro sense of, for example, a token or even you know the entire crypto market. And you can basically drill down and go all the way down to individual wallets and individual transactions and that's really how it, it is different from traditional finance analytics, which tends to be more macro. And at some point, you cannot go lower because you do not have, of course, the individual transactional data in many cases, right? So that the unique thing about blockchains is that the transactional ledger is public. And so as we have built out this database of wallet labels, you get extremely rich data at all different levels of granularity. Okay. So for those that are listening, it's worth noting that if you have something like a Bloomberg terminal, you would probably go and you're running diligence on an equity. And you will look at, you know, obviously the description, the income statement, the balance sheet, 
you'll then look at the holders. And you'll see, depending on what type of holders there are based off of 13F filings, et cetera, et cetera, you know, those are obviously somewhat outdated by the time you look at them, but you'll typically look at the holders to see what type of uh, institutional holders there are. Is it more hedge funds? Is it more retirement funds? Is it more pensions and endowments? And so this is the type of granularity that those in the equity and debt markets have had for decades at this point in time with Bloomberg, with Thomson Reuters, with FactSet. And now in digital assets, you have companies like Nansen that are providing that type of discoverability, that type of analytic and research that was not existent in 2017, really wasn't existent in 2018 either. And so why myself and others who have been investing in this asset class for a number of years continue to say things are different is because we have more data. We have more analysis. We can see where flows are going. Um, and so that's really important. I want people to understand that a company like Nansen provides that kind of high-level diligence that we didn't have a few years ago during this 2017 kind of hype phase and bubble. So that's really important. I really would love for you to talk a little bit about the next six to 12 months, Alex. You know, obviously, you've come out with a bang. As I said, again, you have a lot of funds and uh, investors in the space who are already using Nansen for the analytics that you just discussed. But what are we going to be looking for the next six to 12 months? What are some of the things on the roadmap, if you could share? Yeah, absolutely. So one thing that is changing quite rapidly is that the Ethereum ecosystem is becoming multi-layered. Um, and in, in some ways, multi-chain as well. And so that means uh, in order to scale Ethereum, there's a number of projects that have created their own either separate blockchains that can sort of interface with Ethereum, or they've created um, separate technologies on top of Ethereum that allow you to scale. And so it's very important for a product like Nansen to uh, make sure that we can track capital flows and usage in the broader Ethereum ecosystem when, when people you know, use DeFi protocols and so on and so forth. So one very important area for us is to add support for these other chains and, and, uh, and layer two solutions. Uh, we've already rolled out support for Polygon, which is uh, a very popular side chain and scaling solution. Uh, and we're also going to be rolling out support for layer two solutions like Arbitrum and Optimism. So that is certainly one, um, you know, it's, it's been a big piece of work for us because we've got gone from say one to N, right? We used to have one chain that we supported, which was Ethereum. That's where most of the DeFi activity uh, happens and also NFT activity and so on, which I, I'm happy to talk about later if that's interesting. Um, but so supporting the broader Ethereum ecosystem and having more of a multi-chain, multi-layered uh, world that's a huge, uh, huge uh, piece of work for us that we're currently focusing on. Another thing that we're focusing on is to build out better um, support for institutional customers, because we have a lot of institutions knocking on our door. And frankly, when we started uh, out, we had one single subscription tier, which was kind of the user interface that everyone got access to. We've since then added a few more um, subscription tiers uh, for customers that kind of just want more of this product. But we still feel like we don't have a great offering for the institutional segment. And so 
we've started building out a team uh, to focus on this. And, you know, we're actively uh, speaking with customers um, who might want things like API access to our data, right? Which actually for now is not something that we offer, which many people find a bit surprising because we're a data analytics company. Uh, but we've not really prioritized that before now. And so the institutional offering uh, is, is one big focus area for us. Uh, it's, you know, an area where we frankly have to bring in uh, a bit of external uh, experience as well. And it's helpful to have uh, a Series A lead investor like Andreessen Horowitz um, uh, on that journey who can help us uh, with this. So I would say, you know, the, this scaling out to multiple chains, um, having better support for institutional customers are two of the main things. And then in terms of a business, you know, our, our business model is quite straightforward. It's a SaaS company. So we, we sell subscriptions to our product. And uh, the goal for the next 12 months is effectively to grow uh, the, the annual recurring revenue to about $10 million. Um, so that's what we're thinking in terms of uh, focus and, and also in terms of our growth ambitions over the next 12 months. That's awesome. And so people who are listening here, if they want to try it out, what's the process? You feel free to let them know where they can go to start their journey here. Definitely just go to nansen.ai. Uh, you can sign up for a trial to the product, which um, will give you seven days of, of testing the product for $9. Um, so, so that's the easiest way to do it. But you can definitely also reach out to us. Um, you can send us an email at hello at nansen.ai. And we're happy to do demos. We're happy to explain how to use the product. And in many cases, we can also build out more custom solutions, uh, especially this is something that we're con considering doing for the institutional segment. Awesome. This was Alex, the co-founder and CEO of Nonsen. Again, a platform I've currently used before to get a better insight into the markets and especially the uh, specific assets that you know we look at. Um, really rich data set and library. Uh, so check it out. Uh, reach out to Alex and his team if you want some customization. Thank you, Alex, for coming on. Hopefully we can have you on again maybe towards the beginning of next year. Yeah, would love to come back. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening in to Baselayer. If you like the show and all the different guests that we've brought on, please give a like and subscribe on Apple or Spotify or wherever you do listen to the podcast. Also, if you want to have a conversation or reach out to me, you can reach me out on Twitter at David J. Nage. And let's talk there. Or also you can find me on LinkedIn. And I look forward to having great conversations with you all about digital assets.